Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on today's show, we will talk basketball, both college and pro, with my colleague for the Nightline Sports Network, Ben Stout. He will be here to discuss all things round ball in just a few moments. He's standing by in the virtual green room. Meanwhile, a couple of topics I wanted to touch on. Who wants to win the NFC East? (laughs) Anybody? Raise your hand. Because it is an atrocious division. The Dallas Cowboys still lead the division even after losing last night to the Chicago Bears. And a game that uh, score-wise wasn't as close as it would appear on paper because the Bears just totally dominated and humiliated the Cowboys. And... Boy, they can't tackle. They can't move the football. Just unbelievable. And they've lost three in a row. And they have a 6-7 and seven record only because... And they're only leading the East because the Eagles stink as bad, if not more. Philadelphia has a chance now to tie for the division lead against the New York Giants in Eli Manning's return on Monday night for an injured Daniel Jones... Seven and nine might be the mark that wins the division. And what really makes it sad is the Washington Redskins haven't been eliminated. They can still make the playoffs. Oh my goodness. Things that make you go hmm. And Jerry Jones has first he rips Jason Garrett, then I'm all in on Jason Garrett, and the mixed messages, you know, I don't know how they're going to get out of their tailspin. And if they make the playoffs, where are they going? Well, last week, Alabama-Auburn and uh, Nick Saban whining about the play at the end of the game where the Tigers were in punt formation and pulled a little trickery. It Caught the tide with too many players on the field and resulted in a first down so they could finish running out the clock. And Nick Saban says, it's not fair. Oh, come on, really? Like, you wouldn't do the same thing if the opportunity presented itself? By the way, a couple of podcasts ago, I actually called him Lou Saban, <laughs> the longtime NFL coach, college coach. He, he had a drink of water at UCF back in the 80s. But uh, Nick Saban, oh my goodness. Dude, got to be a better loser than that. Quick uh, spot from baseball. The Washington Nationals, they're, they got a big decision to make. It has been said that they cannot sign both Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. So that's a big dilemma. And I would say in this case, when you have a top stud pitcher and a top stud uh, uh, position player, you have to go with the pitcher. And I know they would hate to lose Rendon. But as you've seen in the playoffs, it's all about pitching and and having big studs on the mound. And... It'll be interesting to see, you know, Texas is 
hot after Rendon as the Rangers have money to spend, new ballpark. And it'll be interesting to see if Atlanta can re-sign Josh Donaldson, the comeback player of the year. The Phillies have said to have interest. The Nationals would have interest if they lose Rendon. You know, the Braves making a lot of moves. Further strengthening their bullpen with uh, signing the Padres' Will Smith, as well as getting former nemesis Cole Hamels from the Cubs, who oftentimes the Phillies was a thorn in their side. And they definitely have expressed interest in re-signing Donaldson. Uh, would be a key, key component for them to have. And if they were out, you know, not able to land Donaldson, then they go into the Rendon sweepstakes. Interesting offseason happening where baseball is concerned. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the program to talk some pro and college basketball. Colleague of mine at the Nightline Sports Network. He is the analyst for Nightline. Ben Stout, former UCF basketball player, joins us now. Ben, how are you? I'm doing well, Jeff. Uh, how about yourself? Doing great, and it's uh, great to have you on board. And uh, let's first start off talking about uh, UCF basketball. Off to a, a nice 5-2 and two start. But uh, if you haven't watched the night yet this season, you're going to need a program because it is an entirely different roster with all the graduations. But in, and let's start with that first. You know, let's delve into what a great season last year was the best season in UCF basketball history um you know I still see that ball on top of the rim at the Duke game <laughs> I know I mean it's a, it's crazy to think one of the one of the most uh, kind of iconic sporting events in in UCF history is, is actually in a heartbreaking loss like that but it really is I mean that Duke game was just uh I mean, it was a spectacular game overall, and it was just an absolute heartbreaker of an ending for us, especially with um, with who played in their last game. Um, just such iconic players, and Taco and DJ, and uh, and you know Aubrey playing in his last game, Chad Brown, etc. It's just they just played so well in the entire home stretch of the season last year, and um, and played well enough to win in that game. It's just unfortunate that. Two tries in a row there just didn't quite bounce their way. Unfortunately, it just kind of went in and out on, on two straight attempts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like you see BJ, you know, he's made that shot a million times, and Aubrey was just right there, and it was just, just not meant to be, but they did play a great game. Of course, you now have mentioned all the guys that have de- departed and on to, on to the next phase of their basketball life. Well, we got a whole bunch of new guys in there, and uh, Johnny Dawkins has done a great job of taking advantage of the transfer portal opportunities. Yeah, I think he has. Um, there's, there's. I think they break records every year in college basketball with the amount of players that enter the transfer portal, and uh, and we've had our share of uh, a couple of players that have gone into that portal from the basketball team in recent years, uh, but we've certainly been on the receiving end of it, and, and Dawkins has said that he doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily his, um, you know, priority in recruiting, he just wants to get the best basketball players that he can for the system, 
And um, he's shown that in, in some of the grad transfers that he's been able to get, some of the um, players that have been in college basketball for a couple of years, uh, most notably this year probably. On the grad transfer front is Dazon Ingram and then uh, from Alabama. And then, of course, um, our, our probably our number one option, our, our star player this year, Colin Smith, who has been with us for a couple of years, but he's actually a transfer from George Washington. So um, we've been the benefit of, of – of transfers coming into this program, and I think that um, it's smart recruiting by Johnny Dawkins to get the best players that he can sustain the success and um, ultimately get a number of uh, potentially great freshmen um, coming in as well. And you kind of mix those mix those two formulas together, and um, well, so far so good this season. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, you mentioned Colin Smith, and here's a guy that, you know, when I was watching the tournament out in Anaheim, he looks like he is really embracing the leadership role. Would I be right in that assessment? Yeah, I, I, I've said it before on, on Nightline and just conversations with friends and everything, but he certainly is embracing uh not only that leadership role, but I feel like his leadership style is it complements um, his teammates and complements Dawkins' coaching style very well. He seems to be such a um, kind of a quiet confidence, a lead by example guy, and he has certainly embraced that leadership role, that number one option role. He realizes that his team needs him to take control of the game at certain times, and he has stepped up in every aspect of his game. Um, he's when he's aggressive at 6'11", and his ability to shoot um, on offense, his ability to distribute the ball if he needs to, and then he knows when to face up, kind of do that little that little sweep through move that he has in the post, and um, finish strong at the rim. He's he's a really impressive all around player, and as I've said before, and I, and I really believe this, I don't think that we've even seen him come close to his ceiling as a college basketball player for UCF yet. I think he's continuing to grow. He's continuing to get better. And he's doing that uh, not only all around offensive game, but his defensive game is very strong too. Um, but not only his ability to change shots, but he, he has the heart and he has the has the desire to take charges probably more so than any other big man that I've seen in recent memory. Certainly, um, I didn't necessarily have the, uh, at seven foot one and, and super skinny when I played for UCF in high school, I certainly didn't have the desire that, uh, that Colin does to take charges. He's, he's taken at least about one or two a game and, and they can be really demoralizing when he can not only change shots, uh, with his shot blocking ability, but taking charges as well. And let's talk a little bit about the rest of the team. And one of the things I've kind of noticed, and this isn't a knock on how things have been done, but, you know, it, it tended to be last year that sometimes the, the the offensive focus would be on Dawkins and BJ and Taco. Certainly nothing wrong with that, but this looks like there's more, more guys involved in the offense, and it looks like a deep team. Yeah, definitely their depth as a team, their uh, the ability for Dawkins to play you know, as much as 11 guys, maybe even 12 guys after the after the fall semester when you had a load comes back. Uh, I mean, the, the depth of, of this team is extremely unique, and um, you certainly see you see guys step up on a nightly basis that may have had a couple quiet games in a row, and then all of a sudden they explode for 
21 points like Caesar DeJesus did against Pepperdine two games ago. And, you know, you see guys that may have had a quiet game or, or not even done much, and all of a sudden they're inserted into the starting lineup and they're doing well. It's, it's really quite interesting to see how while Colin Smith and Dan Ingram are, are certainly, you know, kind of the focal point of, of the offense and focal point of the team where they're – Davon is really running the show. He doesn't have he has the ability to score twenty points in a game, uh, but he certainly can have games where he only scores five points. But he has eight assists, no turnovers. He's, he's extremely efficient with the basketball. Davon Ingram's been fantastic, and then you got freshmen stepping up into a into a great role in this lineup, like Darren Green Jr., who seems to be just a knockdown shooter for us. And, such a young guy and he's got, he seems to have so much poise and so I think you see the coaching staff really installing a, a very much team attitude and, and a very much team first and, and there's not a whole lot of ego on this team because you know some guys can be the star in one game and, and not necessarily play much the next game but it's all about how, how can we find the right matchups to win and so it's been impressive so far and I'm hoping they can keep it up and it definitely looks like they're uh, they're they have more options for shooting the three ball. Yeah, it's definitely more than last year when you saw you saw guys that were capable of shooting the three and Darrell Allen, B.J. Taylor, and, and of course Aubrey Dawkins with that quick trigger of his. But this year, almost top to bottom, we've got shooters um, coming off the bench. We've got uh, you could have a whole entire starting lineup where every single one of them can knock down the three at any given time. Um, obviously, Darren Green Jr., who I just mentioned, is probably the, the best three-point shooter on our team right now as far as consistency goes. But, you know, Cesar DeJesus, Brandon Mahan, even at, at six foot six, he can, he can knock down the three. Dre Fuller can do it as well. And, and a guy that has certainly struggled in, in Matt Milan, a, a transfer uh, who's a local Oviedo kid that transferred in as a grad transfer this year, um, he certainly has struggled in the early season, but throughout his career, he's been one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball. So you could have a guy that hasn't contributed much through these first seven games, and all of a sudden he catches fire, and he could be a huge contributor for us. So everyone, even down to Colin Smith, is is a capable three-point shooter, and again, that makes us kind of unique and um, and hard to deal with from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, and I, I tell you, one of the things that uh, interests me is the you know the Knights were picked to be closer to the bottom of the conference this year in the AAC, but I got a feeling they're going to be sneaky good. And Johnny Dawkins has proven he can coach a little bit. Uh, he certainly has. I mean, I think he proved that beyond a shadow of a doubt two years ago when he had all of those injuries on the team. You know, Taco and BJ going down at different times of the season. Yeah, Caesar DeJesus starting every single game as a true freshman uh, two years ago, and he still won, what, 19 games overall. He split his games in conference. So I think he, and then they had that nice run in the in the NIT tournament. I He certainly has proven to me that um, he's an excellent coach. I think his demeanor is, is fantastic. And you're right. I, I am certainly not... You know, anything can happen the rest of this season, but it certainly seems like we found something here. We still are a great defensive team. We're, I mean, we've already talked about the unique depth that this team has where they can 
throw a, a bunch of different lineups at you that can really confuse you from a matchup standpoint. Um, and then, and then, you know, the, the, if, they, if they have the ability to knock down some jump shots, if they get that offense flowing, um, you know, that defense offense happens quick and, and they can be a really tough team to deal with. So I wouldn't count them out in the conversation um, as we move into conference play after the after this first stretch of the season is over. Yeah, let's talk about the conference briefly. You know, Memphis is certainly uh, the favorite. Uh, and, you know, they'll get James Weissman, their superstar freshman, back before long. Uh, but you look at the other teams that uh, that that had an impact uh, last year. You know, Houston is now without Corey Davis Jr., but they still have a great uh, great depth on that team. You know, Cincinnati has a new coach in John Brannon. Uh, Temple's got a new coach in Aaron McKee. So there's a lot of different balls in play. So it's it'll be interesting to watch to see how, how that develops. Yes, definitely, and, and you've got a team in SMU that hasn't really played the toughest of competition, but they have won every game they played so far, and so, so you, you've got a, you've got some teams in there that, uh, I mean, the American is such a strong conference. Uh, I, I don't care what any outsider that doesn't pay attention to this conference says. I mean, the American is, a, is certainly a basketball conference that is, that is competitive on the national level regardless of who they're playing, and of course, Memphis is the, is the team getting the most attention this year, as they as they should with that number one recruiting class that Penny Hardaway has brought in. And they're going to be with with Penny at the helm. There, they're going to be up to compete with uh, for years and years to come, uh, just because the amount of cachet that he has uh, in that area. Uh, I, I lived in Memphis for five and a half years, and they they love their Tiger basketball. That's for sure, and and. Penny is still a god in that city, and he's he's able to kind of control that that entire recruiting uh, area from from a, about five states around around the Memphis area. But um, you know, certainly they're going to be tough to deal with for years to come. But they are a young team, and we don't have to play them at the FedEx Forum this year. So <laughs> so that's a, that's a good thing for us. Um, and so who knows what could happen when we when we play them in January of this year? But um, yeah, you're right. From top to bottom. We, we have a really strong conference, and we're showing that in non-conference play. There's only one team that has a losing record. So um, so it, it, I, I haven't got a chance to catch too many of uh, the American games. I caught uh, a Temple game over the Thanksgiving holiday. They look pretty strong as well. And um, each team has some unique playmakers, and it should make for a fun conference slate, that's for sure. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about Wichita State, which had – Kind of a down year, but yeah. then, but then you know they they finished very strong, and they look like they're going to be something this year. Yeah, definitely. They're starting the season out at seven and one. Um, they're, they're they're certainly looking like they're. I mean, it's such a well coached team. They should they should be fine. Um, you know, a down year for them isn't isn't even a down year for most teams. Um, but they they certainly bounce back quick, and they. Just like a lot of teams in our conference, certainly look like a, a really tough team, and so it'll be it'll be interesting. That's for sure. And on the national scene, I tell you what I love about uh, early November basketball is you get to see what you don't see in football. You get to see teams get their shot at Goliath. You know, we had Evansville taking down yep. Kentucky. We had Stephen F. Austin winning at Duke. Um, you know, that, what is, game that was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and, isn't that, and the way they won it, too, uh, with the steal and the bucket at the end, that is what makes college basketball so wonderful because 
it really is in any given situation, uh, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you see these great pre kind of early season tournaments right around Thanksgiving time, where where they they have these huge like blue blood matchups, you know, the top ten matchups that everybody's super excited about. But in that, within that tournament, they have you know a ton of mid major schools that are getting their shot. Right, they're getting their shot testing you know, testing what their team could be against the top teams in the country. And that's absolutely what makes college basketball just so much fun. There's not only a lot of parity where, as you said, any given night, a top team could go down um, because, you know, they're, there's five on five basketball and they get, to, they get to strap them up just like anybody else. And, uh, and, and, and you know, you never know what could happen. I mean, Duke had won what they hadn't lost the game at home uh, since early 2000, I think it was 2000, year 2000 or something. Yeah, it was. Even at Boston, just, he just wouldn't back down through all of the all of the crazy plays and crazy calls, and, the, and they're right there in, in the Cameron Indoor Stadium, where so many, so many, um, uh, you know, teams in the non-conference had had, had you know failed before and, and, and cracked under pressure, and they certainly had a lot of opportunities where they could have cracked and. And they never did, and that's just that's just what makes college basketball so much fun to watch. Is you just never know what can happen, no matter who's playing who. <laughs> yeah, and you know what what do these holiday tournaments? How do they translate to later in the season and to potentially the the, the postseason? Well, last year, um, for instance, for UCF, I, I, I'm trying, I'm blanking on exactly where they went for that Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, you might be able to remember, but um, we, we obviously won our Thanksgiving tournament last year, and and Aubrey exploded in that in that final game of that tournament. Um, I, I don't remember how many points he had, but I think he had about thirty or so, and it just kind of kind of was a huge boost for the rest of the season, and, and that carried us with momentum wise. And, and, and this year, I think you've seen the same thing. Although it was disappointing to drop that drop that first game on that, I think the pen where we took so many more shots than they did, and and, uh, and, and unfortunately wound up losing on a on a foot on the line. Of, on the third line of the, of the four three-point lines that we had on the court that night. But, um, I, I said after that game that while we unfortunately lost it, um, we still got an opportunity to play two more uh, two more teams in the mid-major side that are that are super competitive, and um, and and we still get a chance in more of a tournament feel, more galvanizing, you know, away from home like. Uh, three games in three days, or three games in four days, feel where they could um, come together and 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 start to build some chemistry on and off the court. Um, and I think that this year for UCF, that's extremely important, and it's probably important for every team in the country. Um, uh, there's a lot of big programs that get to go over to Hawaii for these tournaments and these destination cities uh, throughout the country where. They're playing um, against top competition, but they're also getting a chance to get away from campus and gel as a team, and that's that's super important in the beginning of the season. Uh, UCF is certainly no exception to that, uh, but it's important for any team. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the season will play out for the Knights and for college basketball in general. Let's talk a little bit about the pros. 
the Orlando Magic riding a four-game win streak, I believe, going into tonight's action. And um, they're doing it with uh, some key players injured. Um, tell, talk to me a little bit about how how in the NBA coaches have to kind of reconfigure things when, when their star players go out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting with uh, – we haven't seen this on the magic at all, um, but they're, they're, they're coaches and general managers and players themselves are kind of reconfiguring the game in general with the, uh, the kind of preventative measures of this old rest and resting and that, you know, guys like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James and others do on a, on a regular basis. But um, that, that's what makes it even interesting. But I think this magic team is, is, it's similar to UCF in the sense that they're very easy to root for. They've got talent, but they're um, they're scrappy and they, they fight hard and they're built on defense. And that all comes from Coach Cliff. Um, I think Steve Clifford is an extremely underrated coach. And he, when Gucevic goes down, who's probably my favorite player on the Magic, I, <laughs> my six-year-old son, when we watch him and I when we watch the games, I'm like, just keep. Just keep watching that guy uh, in, in the post. Uh, just, uh, just keep watching how he moves in the post uh, because if he's, you know, if he can model his game after uh, after somebody like that, I'd be I'd be pretty happy uh, <laughs> as he grows up. Um, but you know, losing Booch is a big blow to our team. But you you've seen the fight that they have, and they've won over the last you know this stretch since Vucevic has been out. They've I think they've just kind of locked up their defense. They finally found something from a shooting perspective, which they didn't have in the, in the beginning of the year. And, you know, guys like Evan Fournier are just playing out of their mind. And, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many points he's averaged over the last five or six, but it's got to be close to 30 if it's not. And he's just, he's just knocking down shots left and right. He's not by he's, – he's a little frustrating at times because he does lose some guys on defense. Um, but, uh you know, you got guys like Markel Fultz stepping in. Um, he's played fantastic, and he's really running the show from the point guard perspective. And uh, they're picking up the slack, you know, uh, while Gooch is out. And you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll be that'll be just that much better once Gooch is able to come back into the lineup. Yeah, and talk about Markel Fultz a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that Magic made the trade for last year, knowing his impact would be on this season. And uh, while it was, it certainly was a somewhat of a risk it looks like it's one that's going to pay off nicely yeah they seem to have really from the from the moment that they traded for him it really seemed like they were they were letting him know that they were investing in him and they were going to make sure that he was 100% right mentally and physically before he came back on the court and I mean, I'm just watching it as a fan, so I've got no inside information. But it just kind of seems like it seems like Markel Fultz has has gained that the confidence in himself that kind of comes with that type of investment that the Magic management has have given to him, and he is he is quite impressive as an athlete and just kind of how smooth he is with the basketball. He's very good in traffic. His, his the strength of his game, of course, is driving in the lane and and what and finishing at the rim through contact or creating for his teammates. It's, it's actually kind of funny to bounce it back to UCF. I, I mean, I, I see days on Ingram and Markel Fultz as being kind of similar players in hmm. that sense uh, that they 
are most comfortable when they're attacking the basket uh, from a point guard standpoint because they have that great size and athleticism. Um, I would say that Faison's a little bit better shooter at this point, at least at least against the competition that he's going against. But um, Markel Fultz is he, he has shown even tonight. I, I haven't I haven't caught the game in a few minutes, but uh, I, I saw a couple of. Uh, jump shots that he knocked down early on in this game against the against the Cavaliers and so watch out if he can start picking back up his his shooting is uh, even from a mid-range perspective um, he's a dangerous player that's for sure yeah and uh, let's uh, you know where the magic you know made the playoffs last year they finally ended that uh, that that long drought that was uh, you know Probably seemed more like twenty years than than the eight or nine it was, um, but uh, certainly did. Yeah. So now they're you know back in the mix. Do you think this is a team that can improve upon their play playoff seating from a year ago? Yeah, I think they can. I mean, what did they? They kind of. I, I can I can never remember because they switched every day at the end of the season last year. Did they? Did they make it as a seven seed, six seed? I can't quite remember. Maybe I think it was seven seed. Yeah. Seed, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, certainly uh, with the East, I mean, even right now, they're if they win tonight, they'll be at 500 for the season because they struggled so much in the beginning of the season. Um, but um, I think, I think certainly they have the team and the continuity from last year. And then uh, Markel Fultz, as we just talked about, in these different lineups that they can have the maturity of a guy like. Jonathan Isaac, right, uh, uh, which we haven't even talked about yet, but he's so good defensively, and he has the ability to uh, move well without the ball offensively, and um, and he's super athletic. So um, I think they certainly have the formula um, to make a run and and probably and probably try to challenge for a top four seed and get that first round uh, home court advantage. Um, I don't know if they're going to if they're going to be able to do it, um, but I I certainly think that this team is goals should be for one of those top four seeds and strive for that. Um, but it's it's at this point after last season and the and the continuity that we have from last season, um, they need to make the playoffs and continually make the playoffs because they have the talent and the team to do it. And I, I, I have confidence that they will. I think they're. Their ceiling is somewhere around that four seed um, spot, but um, who knows? I mean, if you can, if you, as long as you're in, you just never know what can happen in a seven game series. And they, and with the defense that they play, and if they can hit some shots, uh, the future is bright. And I'm hoping they can continue um, pushing and improving. Yeah, and at the top of the conference in the East, you know, Milwaukee, uh, which was the one seed last year, off to a 19-3 and start. The Celtics right behind them. And Toronto holding the four slot, you know, they're now without MVP Kawhi Leonard, but uh, they are accounting for themselves quite nicely in his absence. Yeah, they certainly are. They, I mean, they, they're, they're galvanizing their team. They lost their star player, but they still have a lot of stars. Uh, in that lineup, um, you know, they've got great size with Marcus Shaw, Siakam is still a, a great player himself, uh, friends that Fred Van Fleet's running the show uh, from the point guard perspective, um, and then they have that championship experience, you know, like they they played deep in the playoffs uh, last year, they, they won it all, and, and, they, and they know what it takes to do that, and beyond uh, I could be wrong. Um, I haven't paid enough attention to them this year, but I mean, really, beyond Kawhi, they they kept their team 
pretty much intact. And so, um, so yeah, who knows what could happen? Uh, I didn't even mention Kyle Lowry in that whole conversation, but uh, but certainly, um, uh, certainly they they're a team that that knows what it takes to win it all, and uh, and they're going to be hungry to get back there, even without Kawhi. Well, I know you, like myself, are going to be excited the moment uh, Taco Fall gets a chance to get some meaningful minutes in the NBA. Oh, my goodness. So excited. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, he was tearing it up in the G League before his knee injury. Um, You know, you're seven foot one. You know, there probably haven't been many guys you've had to look upwards at. How intimidating is that seven foot six presence? I mean, it'd be crazy. I I, I met him uh, last year at the at that kind of uh, you know preseason event, you know that kind of uh, night showcase or whatever that they um, they do a lot of uh, you know kind of the fan fest really. And I met him and uh, met all the players and and um, and he get, you know he was gracious enough to take a picture with me and my and me and my family. But it was just interesting to be standing next to somebody who makes me look like a, a normal human being for once. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm only up to his shoulder, which is a, which is something that I'm definitely not used to. Um, but uh, I, it's not only, so, you know, I'm 7'1", I'm and my wingspan is about the same, but, I mean, he's not only 7'6", seven, 7'7", seven, seven, but he's got even longer wingspan himself. Um, so it's, he's just... He's just extremely intimidating. I don't care what type of height or athleticism that you have. Um, he is—he's not only intimidating in his height uh, when he's on the defensive end, but he has learned over the years uh, to get better and better at his instinctual defense, uh, where he is timing his shot blocking very well. He moves his feet better and better, especially since he's gotten into the next level. Um, since, he, since he left UCF, and he certainly has improved when he was at UCF, but he's, got, he's improved that much more, uh, not only with his offensive game, but his defensive game as well. Uh, I'm just, I'm so happy for him. I, it seems like he's, since basketball has become his job, he's grown by leaps and bounds um, uh, in his game, and, and, and I'm, I, I have every bit of confidence that he'll continue to uh, grow every aspect of his game and be a great player um, on, a, on an NBA team one day. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a blessing he went to a team like the Celtics because, you know, Brad Stevens is not one of those, you know, old die-on-the-wall NBA coaches. Um, he's 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 you know, built on the modern game. And so I think it was a great advantage for him to land with, a, with an organization like that. Yeah, I agree. And having worked for the Magic, uh, for a, a few years that I did out of college, just, I was just in ticket sales. But one of the things you learn about professional sports, um, and, and particularly the NBA, is that it's really it, it comes top down, tops down from ownership and management, and, and it kind of trickles down into the coaching. So, uh, you know, he's got a great coaching staff and a great basketball operations um, around him on the Celtics and in the G League team. Um, and that, uh, that's all trickling down from the management group that they have. So they're just a well-run organization overall. And I, 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 I got to agree with you, Jeff. It's, it's, I was, while being a Magic fan, I wasn't super excited to see him go to a team like the Celtics because I don't really love the Celtics. But, but 
uh, taking a step back and being a fan of Taco Fall, I'm glad that he landed in a situation like that because I think that is a strong organization that is going to make sure that they set him up for the best type of success. So I'm certainly happy about that. And do you think the fact that you know the NBA is more wide open than college has you know really kind of loosened him up a little bit? Where you know in college, you know guys would pack down three deep on him and hack him to death. Um, do you think the the open style of the NBA has been to his benefit? Uh, yes, I do, and I, I think that he's he's evolved his game in order to fit fit that style a little bit better. But certainly, there's so much you know there's there's so much. Uh, talent on the court in the NBA game and as you said just that wide open kind of free-flowing style that most teams play in the NBA I think he's figured out a way because he's just such an intelligent player to uh, use that style to his advantage and to evolve his game to it Um, you you certainly you see him running the floor better and better um, you know much more than you saw him at at UCF where uh, I think he improved his conditioning since you know, once once basketball becomes your job, uh, it it you could see a, a player like that who has such a uh, you know a high ceiling as a, when it comes to potential. Um, you can see a player like that really start to evolve and improve quickly, and I think that's what you've seen with with Taco Fall. He's so, he's so intelligent, and he is um, he is learning the different ways to use his his body and his size in the right way uh, within that kind of free-flowing system of most NBA teams play, and the G League is no exception. So, yeah, definitely, I, I, you know, continually improving, and um, and I, I think that he's going to continue to move on as well. Yeah, let's take a quick look at the Western Conference and the L.A. Lakers at 19-3, and the addition of Anthony Davis to go along with LeBron, and a little bit of a resurgence from Dwight Howard. How about that? I know. Uh, who would have thought that? His resurgence at this point in his career would come with the come with the LA Lakers for crying out loud the <laughs> one team the team that we lost into back then uh, but <laughs> uh, with the whole Dwight Mayer saga but he is I, I think for the first time it was good it was good for him to go into that team um, uh, because of the superstars that are already on that team I mean uh, he had he for the probably the first time in his career he entered a locker room knowing that he wasn't necessarily going to be even close to the number one or number two option um, and not having to necessarily be um, more than at this point what he may be capable of at this time in his career. So I think that 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 allowed him to kind of settle into his role and of course when you've got such a strong personality, strong leader on LeBron James, that's, uh, you know, you're going to make sure that everybody is, is kind of understands their role really well on that team, um, uh, and because you're not going to be there much longer if you don't, but, uh, and he certainly, uh, I think Dwight is finally, probably for the first time since he was been on the Magic, um, you know, kind of shown some maturity and, and shown uh, how he can settle into a, a, a more call it limited role necessarily not you know not being the the you know, top three option and just and, and try to be a star in that role and it, it certainly helps the Lakers and you know it kills me to see it but yeah they're, they're certainly a, a top uh, the 
Western Conference and one of the top teams in the league and are in the favorite to win it all. And the weirdest thing to look at in the standings, Golden State four and nineteen. That just I have to double take every time I see that. Yeah, <laughs> I have a couple of buddies that still work for the Magic, and, and they were they were uh, um, working the game the other night, and they said, yeah, before the season, or, or I should say, you know, when the schedule came out during the season last year, this this is obviously the number one game. It has been for the last. You know, last however many years, uh, Golden State Warriors coming to town, but it certainly wasn't the other night when they came. And it's just crazy to see, you know, with see that many injuries and then the departure of Kevin Durant, and you know, uh, and then Steph going down middle of this, you know, a couple games into this season, and they've just uh, they've just been bit hard, but they've certainly nobody's going to cry for them uh, with the success that they've had over the last you know, half a decade or so, but, um, uh, you know, eventually, I guess, it, it all comes back around <laughs> eventually, and uh, they got to have a down year um, every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although it doesn't come back around for a team like the New York Knicks, who are a constant dumpster fire, and they oh, fired yeah. their coach today. Um, you know, that's just almost like a no-hope situation. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, you know, you keep hearing that old, that old cliche of, uh, of you know Madison Square Garden being the mecca of basketball, but uh, the team that plays in plays in that uh, from a professional level in that place uh, certainly isn't helping helping with the whole mecca of basketball thing. Um, I think that actually the Knicks are a great example of of what I said earlier about the Celtics and about the Magic. You know that the, the it doesn't matter what type of cachet that you have from a city standpoint and or a history standpoint. If you don't have the right leadership and the right ownership um, uh, leading that team from the top down, I mean, it's extremely important in professional sports, and they just haven't been able to find the right mixture. Um, you know, you got a team that is now in Brooklyn that uh, is, is certainly taking a lot of that taking a lot of that cachet that New York has and, um, you know, with their celebrity owners and management that they have, I think that takes a lot of shine off the Knicks in recent years. And then, and then it's so different now than it was even 10 years ago where these superstar players, these superstar players 10, 15 years ago, they felt like they had to go to LA or they had to go to New York or otherwise they weren't, they were just going to be kind of a mediocre career from a media standpoint. But now it doesn't really matter where you are because there's so many, uh, with the emergence of social media, just the amount of like content that anyone can get on a regular basis. It really doesn't matter what city you're in, as long as you enjoy the work that you're doing, i.e. the team that you're playing for and enjoy the city that, that you're in as far as a living standpoint. Um, you still can keep and attract free agents, and um, and the Knicks have been kind of on the losing end of that battle in recent in recent history. That's for sure. All right, Ben, this has been a whole lot of fun, and uh, Ben's a great follow on Twitter. If you like to uh, follow basketball in general, uh, Ben, where fo- can folks follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at BigSocial32. All right, awesome. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much. And uh, they can also catch you on the Nightline Sports Network as well throughout the course of the college basketball season. And uh, we appreciate your time tonight. 
Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. You betcha. Certainly enjoyed that conversation with Ben, and um, I gave the Magic credit for a four-game winning streak during the interview. I think I was giving them the Cleveland victory in the bag already. Right now, that's a six-point ball game. 93-87, 12 and a half seconds left to go. Of course, when you hear this, the game will already be over. <laughs> and hopefully a Magic victory on that. Oh, and next time we have Ben on, we're going to spend some time have to talk about Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Boy, isn't that great for them? You know, Dirk Nowitzki, one of the great NBA players of all time, retires and they got Doncic now and oh my gosh, what a player he is. He is fun to watch. Anyhow, it's been fun doing this uh, podcast after a week off. Enjoyed time over Thanksgiving holiday and back at it during this holiday season. So hopefully you're getting a chance to listen to this podcast if you're out and about doing your Christmas shopping or if you're doing the cyber thing like I like to do, that you got us uh, working on your on your Bluetooth speaker. And the Magic Game now a final, so it is a four-game winning streak. Had it right all along. <laughs> And as always, please follow me on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88. Happy to engage with you anytime. Please give me a follow and uh, be a privilege to uh, have me follow you back as well. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog in the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.